0: Well, good day, everyone. This is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show, and my name is Alon.
1: And my name's Tara.
0: So, what's today?
1: Today is April 15th. It's tax day. The day, yes. Uh, tax day slash uh, free bacon at Denny's Day. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that. I've not
0: taken advantage of the free stuff at, you know, fill in the blank for, like, cholesterol driving store or restaurant Yeah. Um, In a long, long time. There was a free cone at Ben & Jerry's recently. Didn't do it.
1: Not for taxes, though. Free
0: bacon today, apparently. Didn't do it. My taxes were done a while ago. just said, all right, I'm going to do my taxes today. And that's how it went. Uh, I guess today some bad stuff happened, too. You guys probably know about it. We don't really have to talk about it. I don't think it's relevant for games.
1: Not really. Yeah. But it's relevant for bad stuff.
0: My wife is running in a half marathon in two weeks. And you feel real safe now. In DC. And so she was flipping out today and she's like, Do you think like Michelle Obama's gonna be in that? Do you even think it's safe? And I was like, That will make it more safe. I would not worry. Would but, it would uh, it
1: really make it more safe?
0: Yeah, if, if you know, Miss America, what what do you call her? First lady is yeah, running in the race. Yeah. It's probably gonna be the racers and like and a ghost town. <laughs> you can't even like get a hundred feet within the the race line or something. Anyway. She's she's a little worried. Yeah. But. I'm
1: sure the 50 runners that are in an immediate vicinity are all Secret Service. Secret Service. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she's like, well, Michelle Obama and uh, Oprah are going to be running in it. And I was like, and probably a bunch of Secret Service people as well. So yeah, that,
1: that just sounds weird because anybody who's running who's not those people is going to be wanting to like find them and run around them. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> so they have to get enough Secret uh, Service people. Anyway. And Oprah, even though she's not part of the government, she probably has her secret service people.
0: Yeah, I'm sure too. Probably more than <laughs> Michelle Obama. Maybe so. <clears throat> okay, so we have some things that are actually game related that uh, that we're going to talk about. I don't know where you want to start because, like, when we were just reading through earlier before the show,
1: that's I mean that's a heavy bit. Yeah, I'm really I'm really thinking that a good warm up is going to be this um, this Orth guy, Adam Orth. With this always on comments,
0: oh, that's a good place to start, yeah, okay. I read about this last week, I think. I did not know that it it became such a big deal
1: It's, it's so curious, so there's this guy he's like uh, some kind of creative director at Microsoft, and his name's Adam orth, and he he made a few tweets, what was it like last week week before? And it wasn't long ago, something like that recently, and apparently a lot of people are upset. I guess, right? I mean, imagine that. Somebody tweets something and people get upset. And so I'm just going to read his two tweets and then we'll talk about them.
0: You want want to see if I react strongly?
1: Well, I mean, I already know what your reaction is going to be, but so everyone else knows. We should make a YouTube video of
0: Alon reacting to you reenacting Orth's tweets. I'll be like Kermit watching Two Girls, One Cup. Uh, Yeah, that's... That's no. I, are you familiar with the concept of reaction videos? Uh,
1: yes, but I, I, f- I feel like if we did your reaction video for this, that uh, you would have a very, very unreactive affect.
0: It would be boring footage, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, go ahead.
1: Anyway, so Adam Orth has tweeted, quote, sorry, I don't get the drama around having a, quote, always on console. Every device now is always on. That's the world we live in. And then uh, he just couldn't help himself an hour after that. Then he tweeted, I want every device to be always on.
0: Okay, Where always so,
1: on, is always in quotes.
0: So remind me of his title?
1: Or He was some kind him? of creative director at Microsoft. And now, here's the funny thing. Now he does not ooh, work at Microsoft any longer.
0: Probably as a result of this.
1: Uh, ostensibly. Although I, I was... Very – I was not very suspicious. I was slightly suspicious that although these events did happen in concurrence, um, nobody has said anything about whether it's actually these tweets that actually, like, got him fired or coerced him or convinced him or uh, inspired him to resign. Um, And, I mean, you were telling me right before the show that you couldn't believe that – tweets much less tweets like these would cause someone oh to leave
0: let, let's the not, company. let's not rearrange my words tweets can okay. definitely have a big effect
1: no 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 these tweets these specific.
0: particular tweets these particular tweets were is all I'm not i mean some people certainly took them to be a big deal yeah. and i can understand being a creative director at microsoft i get that it's a bit of a big deal right his position but He was clearly stating his own opinion. He says, I want them to be. He didn't say, you know, Microsoft's moving here or we're going this direction or anything like that. He gave an opinion. Right. And I think he is totally warranted to that opinion. Now, again, in that position, if I were him, I would not have made that post because it does reflect on the company. Yeah, because the
1: implication is if that's your opinion and you're such a marquee name in that company that... Yeah, well, the implication it, is, is that I believe this and now I will steer the rest of the company in this direction. It's,
0: a, it's the right? same reason he wouldn't write, you know, something racist because people would say, well, I don't want to be involved in any way with a company that has someone racist working at it because it will reflect in other areas, you know. so sure. It's, sure. It's, There's that too. These particular comments lay close to the work that he does and it would have been better for him not to say that. If he did say it, at least the way he did it, I think was fine because it was – well, it wasn't fine, but it was not enough to get someone fired. And at very worst, he could have just made another tweet being like, hey, guys, FYI, you know, not, <laughs> th- this does not necessarily mean that people agree with me at Microsoft.
1: I, I agree with that completely. What's really curious to me is that Microsoft actually offici- issued an official apology through Major Nelson's blog. That was the step I thought. That's, I mean, weird. that's the
0: one that says. He definitely got fired over it because they recognized it as a yeah, big deal.
1: Yeah, it does make it sound that way, but it's just—it's so weird because, um, see, okay, so I find that I have to read between the lines in a situation like this, and my impression is—is is that um, first, before I say this, I—I I, I think that it was everyone's very confused, but I, I don't want to get into that right the second. Second. Um yeah, for Microsoft to feel like they have to be very explicit about how that person's comments were not of Microsoft's, shared by Microsoft, even though he said actually nothing directly, uh it's very very suspicious. It's like it's like uh I get the impression that I mean Microsoft is really Done is not doing anything, but just wants to like just make sure that like all their consumers are placated, which is very strange. Because now the implication is that this got fi- this guy got fired for the sake of placating their consumer market, or at least the the loud and upset consumers. So there's like a funny thing. I don't know how much of this uh, you get exposed to personally, Elon. But like, there's this like, there's this kind of funny thing about like when I talk to other people in the game industry. Um, who are, like, developers and, like, run their own companies and stuff like that, how they they laugh at a lot of the so-called, like, blow-ups on the internet because they recognize that it's not a true blow-up. It's just a small number of people who have the means to appear to be very loud through the medium of choice. And the funny thing that happens, right, is that, like, The vast majority of people may not even agree with it, but because the small group is so vociferous, they make it seem like it's just some kind of like public relations disaster. I don't mean, I don't know if you've ever dealt with that in other areas. Uh,
0: No, I mean, I I see that. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Things, things blow up in on the Internet, you know, thanks to social media. But it's a fake blow up. It's not a real blow up. Right. So the question
1: is, like, how seriously do you take the blow up? Well,
0: here's the thing. A fake blow-up can still get a lot of attention. And the bottom line is just how does it affect you as a company? You know, yeah. if Even if it's just 10 people talking about it, if it's a million people listening, then that's a lot. That a is lot. a I mean, good point, right? A, a million actually isn't a large number in this situation. But, sure, sure. but you get my point, right? Um,
1: yeah, it's like the illusion becomes the reality because it's just so prominent on the internet, even if it's a yeah. small number but, of people doing but it. But
0: ultimately... I agree because something it, – it, it could appear large. A lot of people could pay attention. That doesn't mean it has any effect on the actual market, right? A lot of people complain about Walmart being a horrible company and, you know, killing the moms and the pops and not caring about their employees and all that. Right. But how many people do you know, like other than me, that actually make a concerted effort not to shop at Walmart? One or
1: one.
0: Yeah, it's a small number, right? Yeah. But a lot of us have heard those things. Not everybody really votes actually their for actually for that
1: one, that one is offset by someone else. I know who makes a concerted effort to go to Walmart. There so. you go. So <laughs> <laughs> and and specifically like vocalizes that she loves it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So my point is that uh, even though a large ruckus is made in social media and just I'll just say the internet in general. It doesn't mean it has an effect on the market. So uh, that's where I agree with that person. Uh, at the same time, it can, you know, there there are some examples of boycotts having a really big effect on certain companies, and um, you know, they they can be very real. And the the question is, identifying in in each specific situation, identifying whether or not it really is going, and it's very hard to predict at the outcome. Yeah. So. You know, companies just do their best to squelch it as they can. This, I think, is an overreaction.
1: I, I find suspicious the density of this overreaction. It's such a big reaction that it's almost like Microsoft's going to do it. They just don't want people to know they are. Now, if that's what's going on, then... That's what it feels like to me. Then, yes.
0: Right? Like, that. May, if basically he's... He's accidentally leaking information, then I totally get it. So now this lends credence to the idea hey, you know, when do we find out about the Xbox? I think they announce it a few days before E3, like May 20th or something. Who knows? Something's happening. Probably. Uh, E3 is in
1: June, and I think they announce in late May their plans. Now, I think there's one more angle on this that nobody's talking about, so we can talk about that when we come back. All right.
0: Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. It's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com.
1: Alright, we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio and we're talking about the Firing, leaving, not working at Microsoft anymore of Adam Orth. Officially the resignation. Resignation, that was the word. That's that's a very general word to use.
0: But before we continue, I'm going to remind everyone about our, our, I was going to say website. But I don't want you to go to our website. Don't even bother. Unless that's how you get access to the show, because we post it there. What's more important is our Facebook page, slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a long one, but you only have to remember it once. I think, right? Because you can just get to our site, get to it afterwards easily. Sure, since we post so often. Anyway, good conversation goes on there. So, you know, get your fingers over it, slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And uh, and of course, don't forget to open up another tab and go to UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Okay, so Orth, he's, he's resigned at this point. He no longer has a job at the very large Microsoft. Mm -hmm.
1: But you say there's another angle to this. So here's what I think is happening. This is purely speculatory, but this is the only way that my brain can make (laughs) sense. That's all we do here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we like to hope that our speculation is founded in some kind of rationality or sense.
0: That's true. I just don't know that it it is is. (laughs) judging on my own
1: comments anyway. So here's okay. So I think that what's happening is a conflation of the term, Of what on always on means i mean i think everyone's pretty clear on that i don't think everyone's pretty clear um maybe i don't know if even adam orth is pretty clear because we all know that there's a huge uh very very um obvious and noticeable disdain amongst most game fans against drm yes nobody likes drm right And the worst kind of DRM is the always-on kind of DRM. However, you can think of a product as being, like, quote, always-on without it really having a DRM system.
0: Yeah, I don't even think of it that way, as DRM. Like, I understand that that's that's part of it.
1: Here's – and I'm just going off on a limb here. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Um, But culturally, right because especially like, here's the thing, right? Like I, I feel like um, you know people like executives and people who are in a different mental place in the industry than consumers. I feel like they have like kind of different definitions for things than a lot of other people, particularly consumers. And so you could see like, oh, your iPhone, you know, or whatever is it's always on. Yes, it's always on. It's always right. That's an always on device. Well.
0: Uh, sort of. Not really. Because when I'm on an airplane playing... Well, then it's, uh, it's, it's off. It's not
1: really. It can be, but it's usually not. Yeah. But for if we don't want to nitpicks, it's pretty much always on. And there's a lot of devices like that, right?
0: I, I just want to jump in. I don't, I don't want to derail. Yeah. But I would argue that that's not a nitpick. And that is a pretty valid okay well instance. maybe
1: we can think of another example of something that basically what i'm trying to get at is that there's a lot of things i feel like that people kind of consider to be like so-called like always on devices yeah. that have nothing to do with DRM. a
0: full-blown home console that runs off of like outlet electricity not yeah. a mobile device where like you can pretty much if basically i'm willing to accept that someone builds a machine that requires electricity in the same way that it requires internet that's fine I just wouldn't want that to be a mobile device, yeah, because it can go somewhere where internet is not available, and at the same time, you' would argue that you're restricting the market if you're gonna make it you know always on if it requires an internet connection, yeah. but clearly, if someone buys it, then they have the expectation that they have an internet connection, yeah
1: so i guess I guess that's what he means, right that like the product just won't work if you're not connected to the internet
0: yeah that that's how I took it anyway,
1: yeah, you know that's probably a reasonable interpretation. I feel that even still – and hey, I mean any of you listeners out there, if you think this is crazy, you can tell us you think it's crazy. You can tell me you think it's crazy. Um, that th- terms like, – like things like DRM have gotten like such a bad rap and they are so upsetting to so many people that I feel like it's like it's got so much baggage with it that when people throw around terms like always on – they also think about, like, really negative things like DRM. And so, like, something that this issue, uh, basically what I'm saying is that, like, because of its associated things, because of the baggage that's associated around things that are always on, people have a much more negative impression of it than it really is.
0: Yeah, I'd accept that. I am personally against the idea. If I I have not made that very clear, I don't think on this this episode. I would not
1: like to play a... I would not like it if a console had to be connected to the internet for it to work. I would not like that. Yeah. Um,
0: there's a number of reasons, mostly that... Well, I mean, they're
1: obvious, aren't they, right?
0: Yeah, but uh, but also, this on, always-on thing, it relates to people playing multiplayer games a lot. And there's a lot of people I know who are in this mindset where, basically, like they're first-person shooter players or something. So, they're not going to play... Like, it, it escapes them that someone would even play a game that isn't connected to the internet because how else are you going to
1: play with people these right. days? Multiplayer online games are always on. Clearly requiring an internet connection. They don't make any sense Although, you would on. argue, by the way, that there's still a
0: lot of value in LAN and I don't think that that should be restricted. LAN should still be allowed without being connected to the mothership. But, sure. Um, other games, like just a simple action game like Super Mario Brothers or whatever doesn't need an internet connection, and as much as these new systems want to integrate leaderboards and little pictures to your friends between levels and stuff, I don't know how much you realize Nintendo Land does that. It's been a long time since you played it. Um, I don't care about that stuff, and it's totally tertiary to the, the game. Yeah, I am fine to not have it, and to make it always on is just it's burdensome because you don't always have an
1: internet connection. Here's here's something that I'm I'm kind of mystified about. And maybe this is why people are upset about the concept of something being on always on or not always on. So just like the multiplayer online game example we gave, right? There's there's some games I play, right, where it doesn't make s- like if you're not connected to the internet, you wouldn't want to play it because you want to play it on the internet, right? But at the same time, the game does not break – it does not like refuse to start up if it doesn't have an internet connection. My question is, are we really talking about a product that would not even turn on or function without an active internet connection? A, and B, if we are – which we probably are, but just to be clear – B, if we are – what is there to be like why would anybody do that like can we even think of a speculative reason why anybody would want that consumer or not why would the why would microsoft want that why would that be good uh well it i mean obviously there's piracy right they can be deflected because of it um, but no but here's the, what i'm saying is that i mean Every time I I every time I play Grand Turismo 5, right? Oh, you're saying that like you would have to like check something online when you play to make sure that you're not playing a pirated copy yeah. or something like yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. But also, you know, versioning if there's contests involved in your game, um there there are certainly multiplayer elements that are important. Uh but there's there's lots of reasons. I don't think any of them are compelling enough. Yeah to To actually make that move so it's it's hard to argue for it but there are certainly some situation there there are games that I've played that must you have to be online but one thing that bugs me about the idea in general and I'm changing gears a little bit here is I don't know if you were aware that recently like the past week or a couple of days ago or something Microsoft was ever having a problem with um, Xbox Live sign on
1: uh, no I have a diff- different problem that we'll talk about in a minute later though. well
0: it's very related because as much as I might have an internet connection, if Microsoft, which I'll again refer to as the mothership, uh, if they're having a problem with their own systems, which happens more frequently these days with all the attacks that are going on on the internet right now, indeed, um, I might have an internet connection and still not be able to play simply because they can't validate me. And that, by the way, is just as DRME as... You know, because yeah. it's built into the operating system. I can't play any game. You know
1: what? You've, you've convinced me, actually. That's Yeah, that is, in effect, the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it absolutely is, because then just, you can't play anything you want. Like, for instance, I think it's dumb that I have to have an Xbox Live Gold account in order to use Netflix or Hulu Plus, two services that I pay separate fees for.
1: Right? Oh, yes, I agree. I could get
0: a Roku box. I could get an Apple TV. I could get a PC. I could get any device yeah. that is not an Xbox, and I wouldn't have to have an Xbox. In fact, I could get a PS3 which is about as perfect an analog to the Xbox 360 yeah. right? and not need a special extra service in order to use it. But on Microsoft, I do. So if their sign-on doesn't work, I can't use a totally different service, which technically is totally capable of working on the machine, but for them having this restriction in place. Yeah.
1: I do have to say that um, overall, it's starting to get pretty scary about how, not just in this case, but in like every other aspect of computers and networking now, how so many things are becoming dependent on stuff over the internet with all these those cloud saves. It's funny, right? It's like, Oh, like doing things on the cloud is somehow like touted as being like more secure or better when it's, yeah. Unless you want to not. play a
0: game when, you know, your internet dies for some reason, or the company's servers die, which is more frequent than my internet dying. Yeah.
1: It's completely not uh, safer or more reliable. Before, or more secure, even.
0: Before we go to break in about 30 seconds, let me tell you a short story. So we talked earlier how I, about how I did my taxes. Yeah. I used TurboTax to yeah. do it.
1: Always on TurboTax?
0: Well, what was funny is I had already done my taxes, right? I just hadn't filed them because I was waiting to make sure about one particular number that we later confirmed I was right about. Yeah. So I could have filed them on, like, the fourth or something, and I waited a few days. I turned it on a few days later to actually do the filing, yeah. and it's like, hey, there's an update for your stuff. Like new details about how to deal with your taxes. Oh, this that's is on great. like April eighth or something. Uh, a right, week before the end. Right on time. Why am I getting updates about how taxes could be filed in Arizona? Uh, a week date like that should be locked in stone a long time ago. It should. That's
1: very strange. Yeah,
0: not game related, but equally. You upset. see how it fits in. We'll be right back.
2: Me, Mario, you're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one.
0: Woo-hoo. All right, we're back and uh, going to change gears away from away from Twitter and. We're going to talk about Metacritic Oh yes right. I had not seen this article, you brought it to my attention before we started recording today
1: Yes, this was a piece on Kotaku that um, basically dropped a lot of bombs actually from industry insiders About what Metacritic does and what how, how publishers and how developers react and interact with the Metacritic system you know, it's funny you say that. I didn't find any of the stuff too surprising, maybe because well, you're, I'm too cynical about business. No, I think you're you're maybe more informed than the average consumer, but let me let me just run through like some of the the bigger bombs, right? So, for example, things like um and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm taking our the savviness of our listeners for granted, but um in case you don't know, There's a lot of funny things that happen with Metacritic. Uh, One of them is that publishers and employers look at Metacritic very carefully in order to evaluate um, developers, individuals, and groups. Um, They also apparently... You're talking about like in terms of whether or not they should hire
0: them or fund a project or something. Exactly.
1: Okay. Um, apparently it's also very important for publishers, um, if you, f- for example, negotiate a contract to develop a game, it's, uh, extremely, I don't want to say extremely, it is not uncommon for there to be some kind of contractual agreement where you'd get a bonus, you being the developer, or you'd not get a bonus, depending on what your Metacritic score ended up being and there's this particularly telling example where um in this piece that I, I want to talk about for a second where basically this uh this one guy he he had their publishers basically say hey like we're going to give you uh like we want we want this game to be like a 95 like we'll give you a bonus or we'll, something something important happens if you get at least a 95 metacritic and his response to them when they were having this conversation was look uh, in the past 5 years there's only like 6 games ever that have like broken that threshold and all of them have like at least like 3 times the budget that they negotiated and the publisher was like uh, yeah but we we feel like you know this game should get a 95
0: i think what they they said like that's we don't we don't see reason to pursue this project if if you don't tell us it's going to get yeah, 95
1: and, and apparently Um, it's been used as some kind of, like, negotiating gambit by publishers to basically, uh, well, for lack of a better word, trick the developers into not getting as much money. Um, because the publishers, uh, apparently frame it as, well, if the game's really good, then it'll get a really good Metacritic score. So, if you don't get a really good Metacritic score of, say, 95 or what have you, then, um... You know, we're not going to pay you as much, or whatever, right? And apparently, the the publishers, at least according to this article, are aware of uh, how inaccurate and how unlikely they these uh, such high scores are on Metacritic, and so they basically use this as a vehicle to avoid paying money that uh, maybe the developer um, deserves. Although it's a very it's a very upsetting phenomenon to me because I kind of feel like. Uh, this is only happening because developers are letting publishers walk all over them.
0: That's – yeah. I've been listening to you say this and I've tried to be quiet. <laughs> is um,
1: this that was you were waiting for.
0: <laughs> I have a similar concern, right? Like you accept a contract, all parties, accept that the contract serves them both equally. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. we're getting funding to have a project so that we can get paid for the next three years as we do something that yeah. we assume – we we presume that they enjoy doing. Right. And that's great. And then we're gonna get even more money if we can accomplish a certain goal. Well you accept that. A bonus is not salary. A bonus is a bonus.
1: It's true. Although one of the things that makes it kind of hairier is what the articles was describing was basically what happens a lot of times is right, the developer wants more money or they want to like develop certain things in a certain way that the publisher is not interested in, right? And so they're like, we want more money. And the publisher is like, well, if you want more money to do these things, if it's really going to make the game better, then the Metacritic score would be better. So uh, we'll – instead of – like as as a means to resolve a dispute of negotiation, they settle on basically taking the difference of where the two parties are at for the contract amount and making that dependent on um, the Metacritic score, yeah. which sounds insane to me yeah. anyway.
0: Just to make the developer not sound like too much of a leech, it's usually, or at least, again, speculating. I'm guessing it's more the developer saying, we think we need more time because it will help the game. And they'll say, okay, right. well, if you want more time, we'll give you more time. Right. But more time is
1: more money. So. Yeah. yeah,
0: but the, it's going to cost more from us, and so we're only going to pay out for that time in a form of a bonus and only if it achieves certain things. And that's totally rational from a publisher's point of view. Now, my issue is, I think from an insanity point of view, it's rational. I think if you're going to have any sort of bonus structure, uh, it needs to be tied more closely with the thing that, um, that actually accomplishes something for the publisher as well. So the publisher in the end has no interest, no real interest in what the score is. Um, at least not in the short term, their goal is simply in how many units sell. Yep. Whatever sells, that's when they get money and then they yep. can pass some of that money on to the developer. Great. Now that said, if it sells really well, but it gets a bad Metacritic score there, it might be because of advertising or some other fluke and a sequel, for instance, might not happen, which would have been lucrative or it might not do as well. If the Metacritic score is low, Me- well, meaning if the quality of the game or if it's reception is bad, um, so I would still I would want Metacritic to be built in there, but I think it should be an intelligent algorithm, not just one here has have to have a good Metacritic score.
1: All right. Well, let's get down to brass tacks here because um, there's a small elephant in the room. And before we started, you seemed to indicate to me that uh, you believe that the Metacritic metric is a good metric. Yes. And I believe it is a horrible metric.
0: I think this started by me calling the author an idiot.
1: Uh, I wasn't going to say that. But um,
0: by the way, I don't know who the author is because so. I didn't check the the byline. But um, yeah, I mean, do we want to start off with this part?
1: Yeah. So before we get into um, that other side part of the discussion that we will also bring up, I I want to say that there's, or no, maybe we should bring it up. No, let's bring that up first. So you're 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 talking about how. The masses are more educated than an individual.
0: Yeah. So let's first start. Okay. So the article is a very long article, and I encourage anyone to read it just because it's interesting. It's on Kotaku, and you can find it, Why Metacritic Matters. And there's a point where the author says, so he's basically saying, all of this stuff that I just described, publishers giving bonuses and stuff based off of Metacritic scores, is stupid. Right. And he gives a number of reasons, part of which is that, like.
1: And I agree with him. You, know, but you disagree with him. Yes.
0: And that's fine. We don't have to agree. So uh, he. I wish I had the
1: article in front of me. You have it in front of you. Well, I pulled a couple of choice quotes. I don't know if you'll be able to find what yeah, you need from that. He
0: basically says, you know, it's stupid because people have different scoring systems and, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of consistency and whatever. I, I should pull it up. But um, my point is what you were just about to suggest. Um, that the masses i should just say when you have a large sample when you're averaging a large sample your average is usually pretty good and beyond that as long as the data that composes that sample is consistent which is not true of metacritic and is a problem right because they add and remove critics from their their composite, Yeah. and I don't know how frequently that happens. I'd, might I'd, like happen you to, frequently. I'd like
1: you to explain for the listeners, though, the example you explained to me. Okay, so there's
0: this thing that happened, and I'm not educated enough to know all of the, te- the details, but you can research it on your own and find out that what I'm saying is true. There was... Um, Actually,
1: this happens in, like, you know, like, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, this is the same thing as the Ask the Audience thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah, unfortunately... That 's not a good example, because it 's not a large sample, oh, so and, it's not big enough
1: and it well it's it 's
0: not big, and it, it also requires a certain amount of education, so what i 'm talking about is something that like is accessible to everyone so here 's the example without being too vague about it anymore so there 's a very true thing that happens when you get a large number of people making some sort of educated guess about something um it 's not necessarily likely that any one of them will get the right answer. It is, however, apparently uh, likely that the average of all of those estimates will be very, very close. And the classic example is one that happened, I think the the first one that that people cited was, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say in the 50s, but a long time ago, but not very, very long ago, there was some contest to guess the weight of a cow or an ox or something, and all of these people at the state fair or something, they guessed. And, you know, the the person who's closest wins. But they were all over the map, these guesses. And nobody got terribly close to to whatever the weight of this cow was, which was like near 2,000 pounds. Okay. And so some guy who wanted to point out, actually, that all of these stupid people who go to fairs, like these lower-class people, were really dumb. And he wanted to look at these this data. And so he added up—he found the average of all of the guesses— uh-huh. And it was within like a pound or something, something ridiculously close. So one one very common example that's used in like psych classes these days, is they put a large jar of jelly beans at the front of a room with a bunch of college students and they say, okay, how many jelly beans are in here? And inevitably, you know, some people get close, some people aren't so close, but then you do the average and it's like right on. And they've done this over and over and over, you know, college professors and other examples of people just running this test on aggregate. The masses seem to be smarter than any individual. And so how this relates to Metacritic is, yeah, you might have one critic or maybe a several critics that tend towards a high score, and you might have some that tend towards a lower score. The one example they give in here about that guy who has a different scale, yeah. that as long as he's always there or always not there, yeah. it doesn't matter. But that's something stupid on Metacritic's part, and we'll explain that I think in a minute, or I will. Uh, as long as this, the sampling, the, the people who are involved in these guesses or these criticisms I guess the scoring are the same or relatively the same it shouldn't matter and yes they are going to represent an aggregate score because one person at one review might not like certain type of games or might you know constantly rate high or rate low and that's fine right I might not relate to him but I might relate to somebody else more and that's great if I find that person but uh, overall 140 people average is going to be an accurate score I'd I'd like to attempt to
1: dismantle your argument.
2: Where are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology. UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's uat. Dot E-D-U.
1: All right, we're back. It's Chatterbox.
0: Well, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if at UAT they have done this jelly bean experiment.
1: Um, I'm thinking that they haven't.
0: You know, you do talks there, right, for yeah, IGDAs or whatever. This is true, yeah. You should consider the jelly bean experiment.
1: Well, I mean, I believe I believe the jelly bean experiment is true. So I have no um, disagreement there. Okay. That. Uh, what I do have a disagreement with is, um, is two-parted. It's actually probably – I'll probably think of more parts as I go. Well,
0: I'll give you 11 minutes.
2: <laughs> go.
1: <laughs> so I think that – um, your example actually doesn't apply directly or maybe even indirectly to this, and I'll tell you why. Um, there is something very, very – well, let me let me first frame it this way. Um, if the review system was as um, honest and simple a measuring system as uh, guess the number of jelly beans – in other words, when we do guess the jelly beans, uh, everybody truly uh, independently gives an honest guess at how many jelly beans they think.
0: That's actually quite an assumption. But for the sake of argument, I'll go with it for now.
1: OK. Well, I mean, what? Do you think that some people are making stuff up? Yeah. For no well, reason?
0: I mean, it's the the particular guessing that we're referring to. Yeah. People are incentivized. To Let give me a put it guess, this way. But um, people will still throw out. Let yes me, put it, guesses, let me sure. put it this
1: way. I mean, there's surely in any large sample and in any any sample actually one way or the other, right, there's going to be, like, some noise in there, right? Yeah,
0: like you might have a kid who has no I'm not talking no about ground.
1: noise. What I'm talking about is um, something that does not happen in the jelly bean situation is uh, people do not uh, look at other people's uh, guesses first to see um, whether, like, you know – to inform basically what their guess might be, um, people don't look around to see like how popular like a certain number is, right people don't try to uh influence uh the other people's guesses in bizarre ways. Um, I mean are those things things that you'll accept generally don't happen uh,
0: yeah i mean i I see your point, but my argument would be that for the most part, most of that stuff happens all the time anyway the The flat out cheating
1: yeah. I, well, I agree, as a problem. Let me let me let me get into a little more detail about it, and I'll hopefully uh, maybe I can convince you that it's uh, it's more significant than maybe you're giving it credence. So, something that I know does happen, unfortunately, is that the the press in general. Well, first, let me start off by saying that the sa- like if the sample size was much bigger on Metacritic, I would be a lot less upset at its prevalence. Because in many cases, uh, the samples are actually quite, quite small. Like, I think in the best cases, there's maybe 60, 70 reviews. I'm just pulling that out of my ass. In that's, many cases... That's probably high. Even Yeah, but even then, I think that's a small sample. Uh, in a lot of cases, especially like games I've worked on, there's like 10 sample points, which is horrible. Maybe 20, right? These are These are... So it's bad enough that uh, like one of the people was lamenting in the article that um, you know you can have like a 95 score and somebody just decides to give it a 35. And that thing drops down from like million-dollar bonus to no million-dollar bonus uh, because of just some guy who wanted to be a rock star and give it a 35 or whatever, right? So that's really bad. Um, there's a couple other things. So one other thing that happens – that skews the results here in a really upsetting way is that the there, I know for a fact that there are marketing people and PR people out there who actively work to manipulate these scores. Um, I actually know an individual who his, his claim to fame uh, was that, you know, his, his kind of pitch for his shtick as a professional was hire me and I can increase your MetaCritic score by this many points. That was like his resume. Not, not resume, whatever you want to call it. That was his shtick. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't know what his means were. I don't know if it was a complete lie. But the fact that, uh, that that's out there is, is pretty disconcerting. Another thing that I know happens is that editors oftentimes will select – reviewers based on how they expect the reviewer to review the game, and they do this in reaction to how they expect they want to be treated or maintain their relationship with the PR people. So in other words, uh, even if we assume that every reviewer is giving a legitimately honest evaluation, um, the scores are getting still skewed because the reviewers are getting selected by a group of people who is not intending to be uh, objective. They're actual, they're, 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 their goal is something completely different. On top of that, uh, what I think is pretty widespread is that games that are hyped a lot i find that the biggest metacritic scores are the games that are marketed the most and i feel like that's a result of uh, what i just said combined with um i feel like there is unfortunately there are more editors more reviewers i should say in the game industry who for i don't know for whatever reason they don't actually feel like they can give the game the score that they want to give. In other words, their opinions are actually colored by uh, all the things around them that and that influence them so that the bigger budget marketed games tend to do better because of this kind of influence and the uh, less marketed games tend to have much more... Um, just wildly fluctuating scores, you know? Yeah. I I agree with most everything you've said here. Human nature will
0: cause you to lean scores one way or the other uh, based on certain factors. I agree. Um, Somehow, I had completely wiped from my head the the sample size issue. I was like, 140 people are involved in Metacritic, and they're all reviewing every game. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. The fact that it's small size... Ruins it. I'm thinking when I think of Metacritic and this whole thing, like what we've been talking about as an issue, yeah. I'm thinking about like the pure form. Meaning, like there's a bunch of people reviewing games and yeah. they come up with an aggregate. Right. And yeah, there might be some outside factors, but the small
1: sample size ruins the math. I, I mean, in, I mean, in your idealistic example, I totally agree that we'd probably approach an average score that was rather accurate. But I just feel like there's so many forces. That are – they're not just like random forces. They're like forces that are tr- really trying hard to manipulate to their favor.
0: Now, then again, I would also say that these, the games that have the publishers that are you know, giving out huge bonuses and stuff based yeah. on these performance, they're probably the games that are going to have a large number of reviews. Right? They're the ones that are going to have 50 probably, or 60 but, Probably,
1: but I'm contending that even the largest sample sizes on Metacritic are horrendous. Now,
0: 50 or 60 in a, reviewers' uh, review scores is going gonna, is gonna to be fine. That's a fine sample for this situation. No, I don't think so. I, think, yeah. I don't think it's
1: fine. It is. You, how do what, you how do you resolve that with the fact that you didn't think that the sample size on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was fine? Because that was much bigger sample size. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, just based on the results I've seen, because it's it would be very there would be a very clear winner in all yeah. of those, and there's not. It's like forty sixty. Yeah. And it's the reason. When people go for that, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a hard question, right? It's not just anyone can guess a bean. It's true. It is a hard question. Also, they're not averaging in that particular. That's the real issue. They're not averaging. They're coming up with one. The sample size there is. Oh, I should have oh, thought of it it's, more.
1: It's the highest frequently. It's the yeah. It's the most yeah, frequently it's, it's, chosen It's
0: not line. a good analog because it's not a single number. There's that's fair.
1: There is one thing that I haven't said yet, though. That's really really important. Uh,
0: let me let me stick with the sampling and yeah. the math for a second. Go
1: for it. Um, they mentioned one guy,
0: I forget his name, who does these reviews based on a five-point scale, and then Metacritic just converts it, right? So, like, uh, zero star zero, one star 20, two star 40, right? Which I guess is a six-point scale, up to five. Um, and he, very intelligently and correctly, in my opinion, uses the whole scale, right? A three, he likes the game, which right. equates to a 60 and is, you know, compares unfavorably to everybody else's. Right. If he reviewed every game... Then it would be fine, right? The problem here is if he reviews, if he's involved in a Metacritic score of one game, and then uh, is not involved in another one, basically because he's throwing the scale.
1: Yeah, that's, throwing that's the, the curve. other thing is that with every game, the scale is thrown in random ways because it's it's hardly ever the exact same people or even outlets. It's just a yeah. If he's involved in something that
0: you know he does twenty points less, which is totally you know, real in this yeah. scenario or even 40 points less. And there's 40 reviewers. They lose a whole point because of this one guy. Um, so that's, that's a little bit harsh when he might just not review the next Halo that comes out, but he did review the the first one. And right. so that, that is a bit of an issue that you're losing consistency with, you know, outliers. Yep. Uh, so, but, but we only have another minute. So what else did okay. you want to so talk about? Are
1: you, now, are you ready for my Trump card? Yes. Okay. So, Here's the one thing that makes all of this irrelevant. The thing is is that it's like it's like saying what the best song of all time is. The thing that's happened to games in the past, like especially in the past decade, is that they've there's so many different types of games and there's so many different values about games you know and we know i mean we know this we know that there are people who hate action games because they don't have the dexterity to play them and we know that there are people who hate story games because they're boring um i mean uh they're just not their thing so there are very very disparate swaths of people who enjoy games for very very different reasons right and it just comes down to you know, I don't think that you can you can you can even have a number that represents the quality of the game because the game is such a complex thing.
0: Even if we have the aggregate. But that's like saying you can't have review scores for movies. I mean, any piece of art, anything that's subjective. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. That's always going to be an issue, and that's why you take a large sample size and you come up with an aggregate, because there's going to be some who don't fit. Yeah, but no, 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 no. But what the
1: aggregate does is, what happens is that the most salient parts of the game is what comes out. That's easily noticeable things about the game is what comes out to the forefront, and that's what. Just because it has an awesome score doesn't mean it's a good game. I'm sure you'll find examples that have great scores that you don't like, right?
0: Yeah, so. but that's always going to be true, especially because each person consuming yeah. those scores also has. Different so what tastes. does it
1: mean if if the, if the macro scale cannot apply to the micro scale? What does it really mean? It's what uh,
0: What it means is that the game actually had good quality and should get a bonus. I just think it shouldn't be the
1: only thing it's tied to. Okay, well we're out of time.
2: Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.